You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 33 The Road to San Diego Comic Con and Nightmind. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 33 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. 33, Brian, we beat Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it, definitely. <laughs> well, we got a few things to talk about today. I did want to start out with Comic-Con starts this week. Tomorrow it starts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we uh, record on Wednesdays sometimes. Mm-hmm. Comic-Con starts full bore starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And of course, for the geeks out there, that's going to be exciting because we're going to be getting a lot of new information and, on movies. And, and com- trailers. And, yes. Mm-hmm. You have to think that the Aquaman trailer is going to be out Comic-Con. Hopefully. Well, they've already released a poster. So, yes, they have. And they've done a synopsis. So if they don't come out with a trailer at Comic-Con, I don't know what they're doing. That's, <laughs> that's a huge mistake. <laughs> But we should hear a lot more. I would suspect that we're going to get news on Wonder Woman 84. I suspect we'll get some Shazam news. Of course, we'll be looking forward to that. Now, my understanding was Marvel wasn't going to have a big presence at Comic-Con this year because they didn't really have anything to advertise. What I thought was kind of weird is I did get an email from Marvel, because I'm on their mailing list, saying that they were going to be doing some live coverage stuff at Comic-Con. So I thought, I wonder what's going on. Maybe they're planning some sort of surprise for Hall H that I don't know about. Or maybe there was something they've already had planned and I didn't see the news about it. But apparently Marvel's going to have some kind of news, but I don't know really what it could be. I mean, we know what's coming. Right. No real big surprises in the horizon. So I'm not sure what that would be, but I guess we'll find out. And I heard also that Zack Snyder's supposed to be there or may be there. At least he'll be in the area. I don't know if he'll actually be in Comic-Con, but around this week he's supposed to be in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's going to make any kind of Comic-Con appearance, but I don't know why. I mean, the only thing I know that he's going to be doing movie-wise in the next few is going to be The Fountainhead, which is not really, like like I said, it's not a comic book movie. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there'd be any reason for him to say anything about it at Comic-Con. But, of course, everybody's been talking about a Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which I gotta say, though, I've heard a lot of rumors about that there's this director's cut. But to be honest, I think it's a myth. I don't think it actually Mm -hmm. exists. And the reason for that being that even if you did have all the filming done for the Zack Snyder cut, you still have to do special effects. You've got to do the CGI. You'd have to do all of that stuff to get it to a place where you could actually do a cut. And I just honestly don't believe the Warner Brothers would put the money in to get that to work. I don't think they want to spend any more money trying to come out with... uh, the director's cut. I don't know if there's going to be enough profit in it to, to drop probably what might be one or two more million dollars into finishing up the CGI effects so that the film can be released. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that that's going to be... So in your opinion, we have the best Justice League movie as of right now that we're going to get. Yeah, I okay. don't I don't expect that we're going to see any kind of a Zack Snyder cut. I know some people want to see it. I mean, I'm curious about it, but I just don't see Warner Brothers spending the money to make it happen. You have to look at the ROI on this. So I don't know if Zack Snyder does show up at Comic-Con. I'm not sure why uh, he would do that. I wouldn't think he would do that for the Fountainhead, but maybe there's some surprise. I don't know. 
Comic-Con is the time when movie studios, they spring their surprises. So there may be a trailer for Shazam or Wonder Woman. If Marvel does show up there, if they wind up in Hall H, they might have some footage from Avengers 4, maybe. Captain Marvel? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would certainly think. Maybe we'll we'll see a trailer for Captain Marvel. Like I said, DC, I figure that they really need to show up all their flags flying, definitely. Because, of course, they're, at this point right now, people are excited about Wonder Woman, and I think that's about it. People are sort of wait and see for Aquaman. I mean, and James Wan is a director. I have absolute faith in him, because I know that he can deliver. Or at least he certainly has with his horror films. And there is going to be a horror element in Aquaman, definitely. I've seen some concept art for the trench creatures. I don't know if you've seen the... Mm-mm. They look like deep ones from H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> These horrible fang-toothed fish people. Mm. Yeah, it definitely has that Lovecraftian vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, it's which, very Dagon. And... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly so. Yeah, they're pretty horrible looking. And so there may be a bit of that horror element. And certainly James Wan can bring that without any problem at all. Although a lot of people are like, eh, Aquaman, we'll wait and see. Like I said, I have a lot of faith in James Wan. And I'm going to go into this movie hoping for the best, definitely. But I have to tell you, DC and I have this really kind of messed up relationship. Because I always always go in with the best of hopes. It's like, well, you know, the last one. And, you know, I keep making excuses. (laughs) And... I always wind up being disappointed. Uh, Wonder Woman, definitely not that way. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, like abusive relationships, you know, they'll be nice <laughs> to you every once in a every while. Every once in a while, enough to justify the Just abuse. To ju- exactly. Um, now, when we were looking at the poster earlier, now, is Aquaman going to be in 3D? Uh, because the poster, i got to be honest with you, Brian, it reminds me a bit of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's very happy, very super friends, and maybe they're trying to go old school with it, trying to get some older audience members in. And... It's very possible. That's going to be the thing, is how they're going to come up with the tone. Because if it's a straight-out horror film, I don't know if that necessarily works for Aquaman, but... Again, you have to figure out what that proper mix is going to be. And after reading the synopsis about the movie, most of what they talk about is Aquaman, Arthur Curry, dealing with, I guess is his half-brother who's king. And so there's going to be this point where, I guess, Aquaman, through the course of the movie, is going to fight for the and gain the throne of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Which is an awesome plot for a movie. It worked very well for Thor? Black Panther. Oh, I was going to say Thor. Uh, Black Panther, they were cousins. Come on. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm just going to go in. I'm going to try to govern my expectations. I think that's just the smart move to do, but I really hope that it works. And I know people are going to argue me this. And, our, of course, our friend Kevin, he's definitely going to argue this point with me. We have argued this point, but I'm just not a big fan of the Shazam suit. I'm just not. Because uh, uh, it does, it, 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 we've talked about this before, that it has this kind of toy look to it, and which yeah. kind of makes sense to me because he's a young boy who gets turned into a superhero. Mm-hmm. So I think he would look like his action figures and he would have that kind of sky high vibe to him, look like, yeah. you know, look like a G.I. Joe. Yeah, my biggest issue with the suit, and I guess, I mean, I haven't seen it in motion, so can't say much, but at the same time, when you have a suit with fake muscles, It looks fake. There's no way you can make fake muscles look like real ones because, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, fake muscles, they don't move. 
So they're just lumpy. And especially with the way superhero movies are made now, you just notice it. Back in the day, you just you didn't care because mm-hmm. you didn't really notice it. But now I, I can't help but notice it. So I'm hoping that it works. It's kind of funny because Kevin and I are in strange situations because he's got absolutely no hope whatsoever for Aquaman because he hated Aquaman's portrayal in Justice League. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm keeping hope alive for it. And I think that it could work. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, he's got all the faith in the world in Shazam, and I just don't. So hopefully he's wrong about Aquaman. Hopefully I'm wrong about Shazam. I'll be happy to be wrong about Shazam, but I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely cover Comic-Con and the news that comes out of it next week. I'm sure that that may probably be the bulk of everything that we talk about next week. Mm -hmm. And so the second thing I wanted to talk about today, I saw a news report on YouTube the other day. And it was basically Momo-kun sexual harassment. And Momo-kun is a cosplayer. She's a famous cosplayer. Oh, they all have names like that. Yeah. Yaya well, Han and... Well, you know, definitely that idea of the otaku uh, and the cosplayer. Or orig- origins yeah. of yeah. cosplaying. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the manga mm-hmm. and that, that sort of thing. And so I saw that. And, of course, the first thing that popped into my head was, oh, here we go again. Somebody's been grabbing on a cosplayer because the way she's dressed, they think that they're entitled to it exactly and Mm -hmm. i thought here we go again some fanboy got the wrong idea or worse than that it's more than one or whatever and it's like i hate to hear this story but you know we just been hearing about it too much then i started reading the article and i started doing a little research on this situation and was surprised to discover that the story wasn't what i thought it was because as it turns out momo kun was the one who was the problem the perpetrator she was the perpetrator the ones who the complaints are against is her it was her a woman Yes, she did. And basically what had happened was she was, and this wasn't one situation. This was a bunch of situations. And there was even, I saw video footage of her. She, uh, she's doing an interview and she noticed this, this guy standing off to the side and said, I'm just going to, I'm going to go grab his butt. Walked over and grabbed his butt. And it's he just looked around like, okay. <laughs> which is not okay. And apparently she's gotten very touchy feely with guy fans, with, other women, uh, other cosplayers. There was a report. A cosplayer said that she was in a bathroom with Momo-kun, and there were other cosplayers. They were getting costumes together and all of that stuff, and Momo-kun walked up to her, grabbed her top, you know, and pulled her breast out. Huh. And I'm like, oh, boy, that's nope. that's not cool at all. No. Huh? But Momo-kun did release a video that was kind of an apology. She said, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, her excuse for this was that she has ADD, and that's why sometimes she acts up, which, of mm. course, a lot of people on Twitter was like, well, you know, I'm a cosplayer. I have ADHD. I have ADD. I don't treat people this way. Yeah, and I'm one of those. I'm a cosplayer. I have ADHD. And yes, we do have impulse control problems. That doesn't mean you can't control your behavior. I mean, right. there are impulse control issues, but if it's to the point where you are harming other people or in such a way, then you need more help for your ADHD. You need to be better medicated. You need better therapy. Something is wrong there. You need to do something about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a point where you have to understand this is not cool behavior. And I wanted to bring that up, and, I, and I'm going to bring up something else that happened this week. That Well, it didn't make the news, except in my little circle, but I have to bring it up because it's a very similar situation. 
And I'm not going to name any names in this because I don't know all the names. And if I don't know all the names, I'm not going to use any of them. But but I will say that if you're on Facebook, you can probably look a bunch of this stuff up and get some references. But basically what happened is there is a horror writers convention that takes place in Rhode Island every year called Nikon. I used to go on a regular basis. I haven't been for a while. But it's a very informal, really wonderful people hanging out like one big family. It's a it's a wonderful experience. But my understanding, and this is basically what was being reported all in a few places, is last year there was a woman who was there and she approached the male writer and began suggesting that that she, he and his wife have a threesome. Hmm. Okay. And he said no, which that should have ended it, but I'm yes. getting a feeling that it didn't. No, because she continued to pursue it uh, aggressively. No. And after Nikon was over, then it started online. And she was constantly sending him text messages, sending him messages on Facebook. And she started getting really aggressive. That's, and That's stalker-like activity. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. Not- and it started getting hateful. And, and so basically, he and his wife did not want to come to Nikon this year. Mm-hmm. And so they just basically told people at Nikon, we're not going to be there this year because it's bad enough that we're dealing with this stuff online, but how are we going to spend the weekend with her being there? We just can't do this. And this came to the attention of the board of directors of Nikon, and they asked for some evidence, and of course, there was plenty of it. Not just the text messages and what was going on online, but people had seen what she had done last year. Mm -hmm. And so after getting a whole bunch of evidence, the Nikon committee decided to uninvite her to this year's Nikon. They said, this is absolutely not acceptable and we're not going to have people not feeling safe at our convention. We just can't have it. And so another female writer jumped up online upset that her friend had been uninvited from Nikon, said that her friend, who she didn't feel had done anything wrong, is getting dogpiled on by a bunch of guys who are basically making all these accusations with no proof, and she's never been in a court of law, to which, of course, my first response to that is, I went up on the internet and Googled it, and I can't find the court of law that Chris Hardwick went to. And we talked about this with Mm -hmm. other situations. It's like, it wasn't a matter of accusing somebody of a crime or whatever. It's a matter of... What is good for... What's good for the convention, exactly, and especially people not feeling safe at the convention. It's certainly an indication that something needs to be done. But this one writer, she, she went off on a huge post and started going after a bunch of people on the committee, saying some, it's unfair, it's not right... Nobody's proved anything and just basically started white knighting this this woman. Mm. And I wanted to mention that incident. I wanted to mention the Momokun incident specifically because of this. A lot of people have been saying that the Me Too movement is turning into a witch hunt, that it's all about people being accused of things and being considered guilty without Mm. any kind of proof at all. And it's just an attack against men. And that's all that it is. And if these two incidents indicate nothing else, they certainly show that the Me Too movement is not just about women. It is definitely about women because women have taken the brunt of a lot of this behavior. But it goes both ways. Right. And if you're a woman and you believe that people like Harvey Weinstein have gotten what they deserved, and he did, but you don't feel like you can go the other direction, that if a woman gets accused that that's not right, I think you really got a problem. Because mm-hmm. bad behavior is bad behavior. And if we are saying this is not acceptable, it's not acceptable by anybody. Nope. 
And to me, this just goes to show, just in the span of a week, that the Me Too movement is not about just trashing guys, but is basically trashing behavior. Behavior that absolutely deserves to be trashed. Mm -hmm. The Me Too movement, to me, is this new broom that's starting to sweep clean. And honestly, it's hitting a lot of people that it needs to hit. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things about the Me Too movement, especially when with women, besides the fact that a lot of women are getting the courage to talk about their own abuse and their own harassment, but it's also giving some women who ha have been having these issues that need to be getting checked themselves, it's giving us something better to say than, hey, ladies, stay in your lane. Only guys are allowed to act this way. <laughs> so... I think what we're going to end with today, and I wanted to talk about this because this, to me, is just absolutely awesome. There is a YouTube channel called oh, Nightmind. Yes, yes, I remember you talking about this, okay. Yes, Nightmind. Uh -huh. I am a huge fan of Nightmind. Let me tell you a little bit for the geek watchers out there, if you're not familiar with Nightmind. It's a channel run by a gentleman who goes by the name of Nick Nocturne. And you never see him on the channel, but you see his avatar, which is this anthropomorphic black cat with two sets of eyes, a green set of eyes and a purple set of eyes. Mm. And basically, he does these videos. He's been doing it since, I want to say, 2014, 2015. Okay. Right. So what he does is he's a big fan of videos and games that have a spooky element to them. Mm -hmm. And... What he'll do is he'll find these web series on YouTube and he'll talk about them. He'll do analysis. And they're, it's very intelligent, very well thought out analyses. And I found a lot of web series just by watching his channel. I'd seen some of the stuff before, like, uh, please hug me, I'm scared, which is a really weird. And some of you out there, I'm sure you've seen it. Very strange video. And you're like, what the heck is going on here? Mm. And I don't want to say much about it just because you, you have to watch it. But, okay. but I will say this, as weird and as transgressive as it is, there really is a meaning behind it. And I didn't realize fully what that meaning was until I saw Nick Nocturne's review of it. So I've learned a lot of stuff and watch a lot of stuff because of his recommendations. This is where I found out about Noc Plus 10. I found out about Marble Hornets and That Girl Poppy. I, and he talks about some game stuff too, like uh, Camdrome. Basically, his stuff that he talks about, it's a, it's a nice combination of the weird stuff that you can see on YouTube. Something he just reviewed recently called uh, The Sun Vanished, which is a story that's being told on Twitter. I find this stuff fascinating because it's basically telling horror stories in new media in a very creative right. way. And I'm a huge, I mean, as somebody who's a huge fan of transgressive art and horror, this stuff is way in my wheelhouse. I am a huge fan of Nightmind. Now, I bring all this up, especially this week, because something interesting has happened on the channel. Back in 2016, Nick Nocturne did a review on a channel called Jack Torrance. Now, like the from The Shining. Well, Jack Torrance is the name of the channel. It doesn't have anything to do with The Shining. The name is definitely, that's the, the reference. But the channel's called Jack Torrance. And basically the description on the channel was somebody, it never says who, but somebody was at a garage sale or an estate sale. And they bought a bunch of cardboard boxes that were filled with VHS tapes and Super 8 film, mm -hmm. developed Super 8 film. And that the whole point of this was they were going to transfer these to video and they were going to post 
snippets of these videos on YouTube. And that's what the Jack Torrance channel is, is clips of all these, of what they found on these tapes and on these Mm. films. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, like I said, it's a found footage thing. Mm -hmm. And when you first start watching it, you kind of wonder what the connective tissue is. Because they're just kind of some weird images. But then as you watch these, you start to see connections between the videos. And then toward the end of the videos, there were some newer videos that don't appear to be from this boxes of videos. Apparently, whoever had the videos, whoever was putting the stuff up, it appeared that they were in danger. And that something weird was happening. So there were some videos called Under Construction. And there were videos being taken in this house that was being refurnished. This was obviously a house that had appeared in some of these videos. And so apparently whoever had had pulled the videos decided to do an investigation as the story goes and ran into some weird stuff. But toward the end of 2016, they stopped posting videos. And so that was it. And Nick Nocturne did a review. Normally what he'll do is he'll wait until a web series develops and gets some episodes out before he does a full review. Because that way people can go in and and watch them and enjoy them and get kind of a full story. And so he did this review on Jack Torrance. Well, a week or two ago, he posted a video because Jack Torrance started posting videos again. He said, you know, normally I don't post a, a video that quickly. I just, usually I just wait to see what happens and then report on it. But he said the reason that he did this video was because there was a pattern break on Jack Torrance. The video that was posted was a live stream. Mm-hmm. And where a lot of these videos were labeled for the most part, the fragments or mm-hmm. you know, this fragment from this tape, etc., etc. This video was called Find Me. Okay. And Nick figures, well, is this just basically the story being finished up or or expanded uh in some way? Or was the makers of the video actually setting a challenge? Setting a challenge to (laughs) say, hey, come and find me. Mm -hmm. To which Nick responded, I'll come down to Texas. If you want to be found, I'll find... And now, where po- is Nick? And uh, where I believe, does he operate out of? I believe he operates out of Connecticut. Oh, wow. That is, that's a long trip. <laughs> it's a long trip. And so he posted on their content page, and he also posted on Twitter, Jackie boy, if you want me to find you, I'll come look for you. <laughs> and so this week, he started posting live streams from Texas because he went down there. And he's been doing some investigations down there. He's found some of the locations that have appeared in these videos. And something weird has started happening in the last couple of days. The Jack Torrance channel has been communicating with him. They've been sending him things. (laughs) They've been posting videos based off of stuff that Nick's been up to. And so this story is beginning to develop. And I don't know how much of this is real, how much of it isn't, mm-hmm. and which has been the point, I have to say, of a lot of the stuff that has appeared on the Nightmind channel, is there's a lot of stuff that walks that line between what's real and what isn't. Okay. So I understand, honestly, that maybe Nick is in on this and they're working this angle together. It's very possible. Or maybe when Nick did the challenge, they thought, hey, why not? Let's make this really interesting and turn this into a game. Uh-huh. A scavenger hunt. And so I don't know where how this end game turns out. Now, obviously, this was an actual horror movie. You know, Nick's going to die in the third yeah, act. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and this is the reason I brought up the whole Nightmine thing is because, to me, this is hugely fascinating. Because we're seeing this story develop in real time. 
And a lot of this stuff is, like I say, is pretty cool because I remember the second live stream. There's been two, he's done two live streams at this point. From the point of, uh, of our recording, he's done two live streams and he's shown a video that was left for him by Jack Torrance. Okay. That was left for him personally. The second live stream, when he first started, he, he was talking about some of the places that he went. Jack Torrance decided to post a video right then and there. And he's talking about this. There's that moment where he's like, Jack Torrance posted a video. What, what the, what's going on here? Right now. And Right now. <laughs> and so he jumps up to, to see what the video is. And it. I don't want to go into too much detail. But what I do want to say is that... I find this whole thing fascinating, and that's one reason why I wanted to mention Nightmind right now, because the story is developing at this point. And so if you are not familiar with Nick Nocturne and Nightmind, at the very least, to follow this story, and what I'm going to do is, on the description for this podcast, I am going to put up some links for the Jack Torrance video, the original one, and... And for Nightmind. And for, well, for Nightmind specifically... But definitely the the Jack Torrance video that he did back in 2016, the follow-up video that he did two weeks ago, and I'll try to go back and put in more links as more live streams are developed and other things are posted by him. But I definitely suggest subscribe to Nightmine, go to his Facebook page, follow him there, follow him on Twitter. Like I said, this is a horror story that is being written, created on the fly. We're getting a chance to see this done in lifetime, and and I don't know where this is going to go, yep. because again, this is a horror trope in the real world. How's that going to develop? So, we're watching our own series. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and the audience is becoming part of the story. Yeah. So, definitely check out a lot of his videos on Nightmind. You're going to learn about a bunch of different things you didn't know about before. But also, like I say, follow the story as it develops, and we'll see what happens. Yes. <laughs> and so with that, we come to the end of episode 33 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you all for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the Geek Watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>